supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. AM 1420 WBSM presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. And we are back. Spooky South Coast back on the air. After what, Matt Costa? Two week hiatus has it been? It's been too long. Too long. Too long. It does seem like it's been quite some time because the last time we were on the air here at WBSM we were telling you about our upcoming first anniversary party at Knuckleheads in New Bedford and that's already come and gone we'd like to thank everybody that came out and took part in that party we'd like to thank Knuckleheads and Crystal Expectations and everybody who attended Car Shelter and Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast Haunted Times Magazine everybody who attended is that we could probably name them all right here and it wouldn't take that long thank you for coming out thank you to Kristen Gartland from TAPS for donating the $50 gift certificate to the 99 as well as taking part in one of our grand prizes. And the winner, if anybody's wondering, the winner of the grand prize, the overnight stay at the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast uh, and two tickets to the Ghost Hunters University were uh, Mike and Tammy Melville of South, South Shore Ghost Hunters and Demonology. So it did go to two investigators, so that'll be really interesting to find out what happens when they're there. Uh, I think they're going to go in September, and then we'll have them on the show after that to talk about their experiences there. And uh, hopefully, hopefully they can get some good evidence. Matt, were you uh, were you happy with? I know I, I know we didn't raise an, as much money as we hoped we could for the station family fund. No, we didn't. But I was happy that everybody everybody who was there at least bought tickets and and, and they seemed to have a good time. Oh yeah. And um, did you feel like you know uh, were you, were you uh, the life of the party? Was I the life of the yeah. party? Um, I tried to be. Somebody had to be. Yeah. Because there wasn't too much life going on. Where was Moniz? Was he there? He was around. He's putting around, eating uh, mozzarella sticks here and there. Okay, because I wasn't sure if I saw him or not. Yeah. So just giving him a little grief. All right. Well, we get that out of the way. Uh, and and for those of you who have been listening to the show the last couple of weeks online, well, at least last week, uh, you know we've talked about things such as the junior high nature of the paranormal. Uh, that show has got a lot of interest. Uh, I, I've had emails and MySpace messages from people saying, you know, finally somebody addressed this uh, about how much this supposed community has devolved into, you know, backstabbing and name calling and, and all those kind of things. So if you want to check that show out, you can go to SpookySouthCoast.com and download it, as you can with all of our past shows. Uh, so if you missed anything while we were, quote unquote, off the air, you can catch up that way. And, you know, as the Red Sox season progresses, there may be a couple of times when we're not in here. Uh, in the spooky studio here at WBSM, and we might be home doing something out of the home studio, broadcasting on planetparanormal.com, and you can always get those podcasts on our site. But tonight we are here, and we have a special guest in with us tonight. We're going to be talking about hypnosis with Alan Alves, who runs South Coast Hypnosis Center. How are you tonight, Alan? Very good. Now, we've talked about you a lot in the past here on this show, but it's always been associated with the, the Freetown State Forest, the cult activity there, and things associated with the Bridgewater Triangle. Uh, everybody that's seen uh, Inside the Bridgewater Triangle, Aaron Cadju's movie, is well aware of who you are. But we're bringing you in tonight to talk about something totally different from that. Yeah, it's, it's a 30-year career working as a detective. I worked on a lot of that cult activity, but moved on and started a new career in hypnosis. And, and what made you make that change? Was it the need to get out of the police business? or No, um well, I was on the police department. I was, you know, working narcotics, working all kind of investigations and stuff, and I was working, smoking three packs a day. 
cigarettes, that is. And uh, so I went to a hypnotist and I quit smoking. Uh, then uh, we ended up using a hypnotist in a uh, in the Mary Lou Ruta murder case. It was a case back in 1978, and I got a chance to meet with a hypnotist uh, police officer from Bridgewater, uh, Sergeant Cludia, and really, really got the bug then. Uh, later on in my career, when I was all stressed out, went to hypnotist and to take care of my stress. And I said, "Gee, when I grow up, this is what I want to be." And uh, at first, I was going to do stage hypnosis, but then after I got involved in it and got interested in it, uh, I took the road to clinical hypnosis. It, it's strange, though, because it is one of those uh, one of those medicines where it can go either way. There is the stage hypnosis, and then there is the clinical hypnosis. Is there a difference in what the two are? Is there a difference in what you learn to be one or the other? Uh, yeah, basically, a stage hypnotist learns uh, stage present. He's a performer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you gotta, you got to be quick on your feet, you got to be witted, you got to learn your scripts, what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. And, and you have to get volunteers from the audience uh, who really want to be hypnotized because no one can be hypnotized unless they want to be hypnotized. And that, that is one of the keys. I think I read on your website, uh, actual hypnosis is, I, I think the numbers you use are, it's, it's 10% the hypnotist and 90% the person being hypnotized. Exactly, exactly. Um, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. We merely guide you into hypnosis, give you suggestions that you want for change. And if you have any questions or you'd like to talk about hypnosis with Alan, you can give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500 for Wareham in the Cape. And when you first started making the move toward getting involved in hypnosis and you know paying more attention to it, how did the other people on the force feel about that? Well, it... I never really did care about what anybody else thought. <laughs> <laughs> I was sort of a maverick, even when I, when, like I said, when I was uh, investigating the occult stuff and uh, devil worship and so forth. They, you know, they were calling me cult cop and Ghostbusters, and you know, and basically, the whole area were w- uh, chiding me and making fun. Then things started happening in their areas and their neighborhoods and so forth. And all of a sudden, I became the expert, and they started calling on me. So I was no longer cult uh, cult cop or ghostbusters and, and the same thing uh with the hypnosis um people wondered what it was and they said oh gee don't look me in the eye and everything else because uh most of the public doesn't know what hypnosis really is and that's one of the things that we want to talk about tonight we want to dispel some of those myths it's not the uh you know the hocus pocus that everybody thinks it is it's an actual uh a procedure involved and it's as you said you're hypnotizing yourself and, and somebody's just guiding you through Correct. Uh, it's and as a matter of fact, it's been recognized by the American Medical Association since 1958, and it's uh, being taught in medical schools throughout the world. Um, so hypnosis isn't it isn't even considered alternative medicine anymore. It's considered complementary medicine. Do you think though it still has that stigma of being uh, outside the norm because there have been so many people who have been you know, the stage hypnotists, and it's become kind of a lark, something that you do when you go out to a nightclub, that it's not really taken seriously when it's in the clinical end. Uh, yes, that's correct. I mean, I get a lot of clients that come in. More and more, as science, thank goodness for science, but uh, with neuroscience, they're finding out that now they're able to, uh, with different equipment now, they can test the brain waves and so forth, and they're learning, and it's validating what hypnosis does and what hypnotherapy does. So it's gaining more and more uh, prominence with, with the neuroscience and validating it. 
So that's a good thing. And so, but stage hypnosis, you know, there's nothing wrong with stage mm-hmm. hypnosis. You know, I even do it on the side. I've done it all over. You know, I have Vegas, Carnival Cruise Line, so forth. It's it's fun and it, and it's enjoyable. It's completely different than clinical hypnosis. And one of the misconceptions too is uh, people think that if they go under hypnosis, you know, they're going to reveal something about themselves they don't want anybody to know, or they're going to be, you know, you're going to have them running around barking like a dog or clucking like a chicken. Yeah. Well, here's a few things. Uh, number one, with hypnosis, there's no such thing as you're not going to wake up because you're not sleeping. Secondly, uh, you're more alert in hypnosis than you are when you're not. You're probably 100 to 200 times more alert in hypnosis than you are right now. Thirdly, you cannot make, cannot, a hypnotist cannot make you do anything against your will. It's impossible. Uh, if I could make people do things against their will, I wouldn't be here. I'd hypnotize <laughs> the bank president and Holly Berry, and I'd be all set. <laughs> uh, and like I said, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis, and we really, merely guide you into hypnosis uh, and give you the suggestion that you want to change. You need someone. You have to cooperate. Your success or failure is 100% upon you. Now, that may fly in the face of what you see a stage hypnotist do, mm-hmm. because, um, but if you really look at what a stage hypnotist does, as he asks for volunteers, anybody want to volunteer to be part of the show? Then obviously he sits down to people that don't want to cooperate or the people who go, oh, I can't be hypnotized, mm-hmm. or, or the drunks and so forth. Uh, and then he keeps those people up. So those, so those people that volunteered, they volunteered to be hypnotized. So it wasn't against their will to be center of attention or be on stage. And it wasn't against their will. They knew they were going to do funny things or... If, if my colleague, Frank Santos, they knew they were going to do R-rated stuff. Yep. So it's, that still wasn't against their will. And um, so, you know, you've got people up there that were compliant. Oh, well, that's what I was always thinking, too, is like if Frank Santos tells a, a girl, you know, you're not going to unbutton your blouse, that's because she was already thinking ahead of time she would be willing to do, you know, whatever it was suggested. We're all capable of doing foolish, stupid things if we know nobody's watching. I'm sure it's happened where people come out of the shower and when they're feeling good and and the music is playing and they're naked in front of me and grab a hairbrush, start singing a song, dancing away. Mm-hmm. Of course, they wouldn't do that in front of an audience of 100 people. But when you're in hypnosis, you don't know those people are there making fun of you. And also, too, uh, to some degree, when you're in that situation of, of undergoing this hypnosis and, and it's all in fun, it's kind of like – it's kind of like – a freedom almost, uh, like you're removing that blockage of shame almost to be able to say, I can just do what I am, be myself. Yeah, yeah get rid of the inhibitions. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, to really understand uh, how hypnosis works, uh, you have to understand how the mind works. And um, basically we have two minds. We have the conscious mind and we have the subconscious mind. Now the conscious mind there you'll find your willpower, your temporary memory, and your analytical and rational thinking, your decision-making. And the language of that conscious mind is logic. It's a logical mind. The subconscious mind, the mind that's in the background, there you find your willpower. I'm sorry, excuse me, your temporary memory. Excuse me again, I don't have my chart in front of me here. <laughs> in your subconscious mind, there you find all of your habits, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of your emotions your permanent memory, everything that you ever experienced in your whole entire life is there. It's like a video camera that's been running from the time you were created right up until this moment in time is recorded every second of your life. Think of it as, think of that subconscious mind 
as your computer mind, and that permanent memory is your programming. And you've been programmed both good and bad, positive and negative, by your parents, siblings, how you grew up, where you grew up, friends, enemies, classmates, teachers, boyfriends, girlfriends, coworkers, employees, so on and so forth. Everybody and everything you came in contact with, your five senses, has made you you. That's what makes you unique on planet Earth. That, that permanent memory, that's your program, that's your belief system. And the number one job of the subconscious mind is your security, your protection. Now, the language of the subconscious mind is imagination. Mm -hmm. So you have your conscious mind whose language is logic, subconscious mind whose language is imagination. Whenever there's a conflict between logic and imagination, imagination wins every single time. Subconscious mind is the boss. Very powerful mind. Unfortunately, it's a very childlike mind because it doesn't know the difference between what is real and what is not real. Everything is real to the subconscious mind. And in between the conscious mind and subconscious mind, it's like a curtain. We call it the critical faculty, where you're critical of information. Um, so if I was to tell you, Tim, I have a dog that could talk, you'd hear that with your conscious mind. You filter it critically, and you say, this Alan's a nutcase. I'm not going to let it go into my permanent memory of my subconscious mind. However, for children from age 0 to 7 are in that imagination mind almost 100% of the time. That's why a child's mind is fertile ground. Whatever seed you plant, that's what's going to grow. Mm -hmm. Because they don't have that critical faculty of the, of the conscious mind. So, I mean, if I told a 5 or 6-year-old, I got a dog that could talk, I could get them to believe me. That's well, it. that's what hypnosis wow. is. <laughs> that's what hypnosis is. Is your conscious mind is in front, the subconscious mind is in back. All hypnosis is, is when that conscious mind disappears, that conscious thinking mind disappears, the critical back faculties bypass, and you're in your imagination, subconscious mind, susceptible to suggestions. But I know when I'm in, I mean, the only time I'm really in my subconscious mind that I'm aware of is when I'm dreaming. and Absolutely not. No. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what. Um, have you ever got sad at a sad movie? Yes. Well, your logical conscious mind knows that's only a movie, mm -hmm. knows it's not real, knows those are actors, knows there's 28 people around their cameras and microphone. Why? Because when you get to watch a movie, you went into hypnosis. That conscious, logical mind disappeared. You're not thinking about your family. You're not thinking about your job. That thinking mind has disappeared. You're in your imagination mind. You see something sad, you tear up. You see something scary, you jump. You see something gross, your toes curl in your shoes. You see the good guy hanging on the cliff, you hold your breath trying to help him hold on. Not real, but it was real to that imagination, subconscious mind that controlled all those body functions. Subconscious mind is the boss. If you ever had a nightmare, you wake up heartbeat and sweat and fear, shaking. All those physical things controlled by the subconscious mind, but it wasn't real. But it was real to the imagination mind. It controlled all those body functions. It's the boss. I never thought that I was slipping into it like that. That's interesting. Well, if you ever drove your car, you're driving your car, and you're probably, oh, like people right now, if you're driving your car down a road and you're listening to spooky South Coast, and you go like, oh, cool, yeah, that's cool, and your subconscious mind says, oh, this person's going to kill us. We're going into hypnosis, and the subconscious imagination mind takes over the driving. It's got permanent memory. knows all the rules to the road. It just doesn't know where you're going because they have a temporary memory. It'll drive from here to California <laughs> until it sees something in his memory bank. Oh, there's the exit. Go home. Takes that exit. Goes home. The conscious mind comes back. Says, oh, I didn't want to go home. I want to go to the mall. I could turn around. Or you get somewhere and you don't remember driving there. You're in hypnosis. Hypnosis is a natural state of being. 
you've been there thousands and thousands of times in your life. Well, what, what I was going to ask is, uh, I know that when I'm, at least when I'm dreaming, and, and daydreaming to some degree, that sometimes thoughts will come together that don't actually make sense. You know, Sometimes the memories will be mixed with some of the fantasy, and the imagination will go to work. When you're going putting somebody into hypnosis, and they're telling you information, or uh, how can you be sure that you're talking to what's the actual memory, what's in the permanent memory, and not just something that's coming from the imagination? Okay, first of all... Uh you might be talking what they talk about is called regression hypnosis. Mm -hmm. That's a very deeper state of hypnosis. Uh, first of all, you have to reach what they call somnambulism state. Um, the subconscious mind has all the answers. Now, whether the, the you know, there's certain degrees of, of hypnosis, but you can tell, uh, a trained hypnotist can tell, by looking at his client, which stage they're in, or if they are in some embolism state. Um, and then the subconscious mind responds. Now, you can regress someone back to, we can regress you back to your sixth birthday. You'll be there, feel it, smell it, see the wallpaper on the wall, see the candle, see who was there and everything else. Now, that could be the problem with uh, regression, which, which the courts have found out, because actually... On our case, which was the Mary Luther case in Rainhead, where the girl was found in the state forest, that changed the law on hypnotic testimony in Massachusetts. And what what the courts felt was that those memories, regressive memories, were not actually factual. They felt that they could have been influenced, like you said, by by fantasy, by TV. If you, but that's the way. It's factual to you. That's the way you remember it. You know, two people can remember two things two different ways. But what, what you're bringing out is the way that the person has it stored in their memory as the way it happened. Exactly. And it may not be to somebody else that was there the same thing, but that's what right. they remember. Right. And so, you know, dealing in some of these, like, cult cases, then I guess that memory could easily be influenced by things that no matter how deep you get, they're just so blocked as a defense mechanism that it's going to alter those memories. Uh, that's a possibility, but, you know, no one's sure. That's that's what uh, science is saying. That's what people are saying, you know. Uh, it's the same thing uh, they're talking about with, you know, past life regression. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know, is there past life regression or isn't, you know. And so uh, the jury's left out. Science says it's, uh, you know, ancestral memory DNA that people are recalling from subconscious. Other people say it's past life, so. The jury's out. I get people in there, and I, you know, when I get a class, I go, uh, anybody here believe, uh, you know, believe in past lives? They raise their hand. I say, welcome back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, uh, if you have any questions on hypnosis and you'd like to talk to Alan Alves of the South Coast Hypnosis Center, you can visit their website at southcoasthypnosis.com. It's also linked up on spookysouthcoast.com. But the phone lines are open, 508-996-0500. 508-291-0500 for Wareham and the Cape. Matt, should we take a break? Or? That'd be a good idea. Okay, why don't pay we take a break? Uh, yeah, we'll pay some bills. On the other side, we'll talk more with Alan. We'll talk about how somebody undergoes the process of being hypnotized. So, And we promise we won't actually hypnotize you while you're driving, so you're safe. We'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast. You will awaken and remember nothing. You will have no memories of these trance feelings. None. You will not be upset by them. One, one, one. You are coming out. One, one, one. Two, 
You are nearly conscious. Three. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here alongside the silent assassin, Matt Costa. Say hello to the fine people, Matt. Hello, fine people. Now, for those listening here on WBSM uh, that didn't listen to us online at Planet Paranormal last week, uh, you're used to Matt just jumping in once in a while and making comments because he's busy running all the technical stuff. But you should have heard him last week when we talked about how junior high the paranormal has become. He had a lot of opinions on that. Is that a joke because my mic didn't work? Well, that's they, they can still hear you, though. So if you if you check out that show on SpookySouthCoast.com and on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts, uh, you can actually hear the silent assassin speak quite a bit. I had to keep cutting him off. Uh, I couldn't get a word in edgewise. It was crazy. Yeah. So so Don't expect it all the time. All right. Not until you start paying me. Not until I start getting paid. Then I'll pay you. <laughs> All right. We are talking about hypnosis tonight with Alan Alves of South Coast Hypnosis Center, southcoasthypnosis.com, if you want to check it out. And we were talking before uh, how I had said I didn't think that I'd been in my subconscious mind and, and had I hadn't been under hypnosis. And Alan was giving some examples, and he came up with another one, something that happens to me all the time. Well, you were just telling me when we were in break. Okay. It's like... Um you're home alone. It's 10 o'clock at night, and you say, geez, I'm home alone. I got the house to myself. I'm great. And you say, I feel like having a cup of coffee. And you go to make plug in the coffee machine. You didn't realize the wires are frayed. You just pop the main circuit breaker. You're in complete darkness. So you got to go down the basement with your dim flashlight if you find it because you never find it when you need it. Or your cigarette light or your candle. You go down in, your, in the darkness. And as soon as you go there, you go right into hypnosis because the imagination mind takes over. And even though the conscious mind says, my doors are locked, my windows are locked, I'm safe in my own house, the subconscious mind says, look, I'm the boss. Until you get those lights on, we're going to be frightened because there's a boogeyman down here. And you said that the subconscious mind is your protector, and that's its, its job is to look out for your safety. And do you think that even though the logical mind knows it's not there, the subconscious mind is saying you've got to be ready for anything? Yeah, because, well, there's, there's, a, there's a rule in psychology called 7 plus or minus two, uh, which means that you can, that thinking mind can think of seven things all at the same time, plus or minus two. Some people five, some people nine, the average seven, where the subconscious mind can process about three trillion bits of information per second, fastest computer in the world. Yeah. So, um, but you can apply, uh, there's another rule in psychology called the fight or flight syndrome, mm -hmm. which actually is waking hypnosis. For instance, if... Uh, if I was to throw a rock at you, you would instantly duck or catch it. You wouldn't even think about it. You would go into that imagination mind. You'd go into hypnosis. That imagination mind would react because it doesn't think it reacts. I mean, if you stayed in your thinking mind, you would say, Alan just threw a rock. It's traveling at a velocity of about 60 miles an hour. It'll hit me in three seconds. It's very hard. I am soft tissue. By that time, you've been knocked out by the rock. Mm -hmm. So you instantly go into hypnosis or fight-or-flight syndrome and instantly uh, respond. And, and because the subconscious is controlling the permanent memory, is it because you kind of already have stored in your permanent memory what will happen if a rock hits you that it makes it work that quicker? Um, or is it really just that it doesn't even matter that it's a rock, it's just anything? It's your security. Any? It's just, your, that subconscious mind is your security mind. It, it's, it's your security and it reacts. Unfortunately, like I said, it's, it, it's a 
child like mine. Mm-hmm. That, that's the unfortunate thing because sometimes it says, geez, I'm going to protect us really good. Like if you have a, a frightened plane ride, you know, a bumpy ride, and you go, oh, geez, I'm really scared on that plane ride. The subconscious mind says, okay, I'll protect you. Now I'll give you anxiety every time you get near a plane, and we won't get in a plane. You won't be scared anymore. See, yeah. we solved that problem. doesn't really work out, though. No. I used to have a similar problem with thunderstorms. Uh, I went through a nasty one when I was camping when I was younger. And for the longest time, I would, if I even heard a weather report saying that there was a thunderstorm yeah. coming, yeah. I would just get irrational. And when it actually came, I would just, I would probably have to revert into like a, a hypnotic state to get through it. Yeah. That's what we use hypnosis for. One of the one of the many many things. Anxiety. We can remove anxiety like that in one session. Well, that's pretty good yeah, <laughs> to yeah. take care of it in one shot. Especially if you're going to get on a plane anytime soon and you need to get rid of that fear. You can oh, co- like we do when I do lectures. You know, we're down at the, at the convention and so forth. You know, we uh, we have somebody come up and say, uh, "Anybody got any fears or phobias or anxiety?" Uh, well, well, I'm afraid of snakes or I'm afraid of spiders. You know, we get them we get them up there at the stage. Or, Get them into a quick, uh, give them a quick induction, get them into hypnosis, and then when they're done, we got to—they're playing with a snake around their neck and stuff like that. So <laughs> it's amazing. Well, that, now, what is the process if you're going to put somebody under hypnosis? Is it, is it different, or is there a set procedure to follow? Well, it's not under hypnosis. You only go under a table. It's in hypnosis. We're okay. trying to change that because okay. <laughs> it's so, lo- so I- long. It's been under, and I'm just playing with just playing words, but. Um, no, but that does make a difference, yeah, yeah. just that one word. Yeah. Um, the process is is very simple. There's, there's all different uh, type of inductions that you would use. Uh, it depends on the person who you, you're working with, uh, whether they're analytical, or whether they know how to relax. Some people just don't know how to relax. Mm-hmm. They're too anal and so forth like that. Uh, that type of person, you'd probably have to use an instant induction or a confusional dis- deduction. Other times, you know, a lot of people think that, most people think I have to relax to be in hypnosis. You really don't, but we do relax the people into hypnosis because that's what they're looking for, and they think, well, that's got to be part of it. So, mm-hmm. so we do it, but uh, that's not one of the prerequisites. Um, first of all, they've got to want to be hypnotized. Uh, that's why we give uh, what's called a pre-talk, and you have to explain exactly what hypnosis is, what it isn't, what's going to happen, and so forth. Because their success or failure is 100% upon them. Um, they have to be compliant. They have to, they, you know, if somebody comes in and wants to quit smoking, they got to want to quit smoking. I can't make them do anything they don't want to do. They can't just be there because somebody, no, you know, bought them the, the session. Doctor, yeah. You know, I, I had a guy come in there, uh, you know, talking through uh, that microphone in his throat that, i got to quit smoking. I said, my dog says I'm going to die. I said, do you want to quit? No, I want you to make me. I said, I can't make you quit smoking. Mm-hmm. Oh, what about, what are you here for? I said, I can't. You've got to want to quit. I can't make you do anything you don't want to do. And he got mad at me. And, you know, and he left. But uh, his doctor wanted to quit. So you've got to want it. If you want it, uh, and you've got to have the right mental attitude. You can't have the mental attitude, oh, I hope this is going to work. It won't work. Because that subconscious mind got a lifetime of hope that didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope I get a good report card. I hope that girl likes me. I hope I win the mega bucks. Hope means failure to that subconscious mind. Um, and you can't have the mental attitude, well, I'm going to try it. Try means failure is an option. It's okay to fail. So that's why we sit there for an hour explaining exactly what's going to happen, what hypnosis is, answer all the questions, individualize the, the situation for them before we even do the actual hypnosis. So that way we have success. And then once they're ready, is it, is it, 
Is it almost easier because they're willing to accept it that you can do this quickly? That's you know, a stage hypnotist. It seems like they can put somebody under, um, put somebody in hypnosis almost right away. And is that because they're already readying their mind for that? They volunteer it. Mm-hmm. They volunteer it. And what usually happens is we call them hypno junkies. If you've ever been hypnotized before, it's such a wonderful, pleasant, relaxing feeling that uh, you know you wouldn't you want to do it again. You want to do it again. So lots of times when you do a show. Uh, you advertise it as a hypnosis show. You're, you're going to get those people. Oh, I'm going. I'm going to get hypnotized. I like that. That was great. You know, and once they've been hypnotized, very easily hypnotize them again with a snap of a finger. And when you do uh, begin the process, is it's not like what we've seen on TV where you're getting sleepy. Not like that at all. Well, no, it, it doesn't have to be like that. That's that's old school. Mm-hmm. Um, that's um, excuse me, progressive relaxation. Which works, you know, it works. But, well, you know, um, at, at my business uh, where we are, you know, we we work as late as six o'clock. So I mean, I get somebody six o'clock, and if I'm going to do a progressive relaxation, that's going to take, you know, a half hour, twenty minutes. I mean, they're going to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I want them to do is fall asleep, because then their mind's going to shut down. I want them to into hypnosis, not sleeping. So I won't use that progressive long relaxation or do an instant or a rapid induction uh, or a confusional one. But um, No, what, that, what's the difference between those? I mean, is, is a confusional one you try to... Confusional one is, is uh, someone who's a bookkeeper, works with numbers, someone's analytical because whatever you're doing, they're, they're trying to analyze it. They're trying to analyze what you're doing and they're trying to stay one. I don't feel hypnosis. Uh, they're questioning themselves and everything else. So they're, they're not... Uh, they're not letting that thinking mind relax because they don't know how to relax. They always got to worry. They always got to keep thinking. So what you got to do is you got to just shoot them real quick with that conscious mind and, and you get it out of the way with a, with a rapid or an instant or give them a confusional one where that thinking mind gets so doggone confused that it just disappears. So I'm going to go work on this for a little while. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, right. and once somebody is under... I'm sorry. When somebody is in hypnosis, I'll I'll get over it. Okay. But once when somebody is in a hypnotic state, what is the process for? Like, say somebody wants to quit smoking, is it? Do you ask them questions while they're in that state? No, no. What we do is once you get them in a relaxed state, uh, get them into hypnosis. Like I said, especially you you don't you don't even need a deep state of hypnosis for quit smoking, believe it or not. But uh, you get them into some embolism state, and what we do is then we'll give them uh, idiomotive uh, response. So I may say, okay, now that you're relaxed, I still want to communicate with you, but I don't want to spoil your relaxation. In a moment, I'll be touching your right hand, the fingers on your right hand. If I ask you a question and the answer is yes, I want you to lift and drop this finger, and I'll lift and drop maybe the index finger. If it's no, lift and drop this finger. That's it. So then their response would just be that, Idiomotor skills of the fingers up and down, yes and no questions. Um, that's how we would communicate. And, and you know, we'd say, you know, conscious mind doesn't even have to worry about it. Your subconscious mind will respond automatically. And so you communicate with the subconscious mind. But it's not like once you get them in that state, you say to them, okay, now you're not going to smoke anymore, and that's well, it. Yeah, no, you, yeah, you do you, you script that. You're talking about a session, 40 minutes, 45 minutes to an hour. That, it, that whole in there in hypnosis. Of course, and, they think they're there ten minutes when they when they uh, come out of it. But and, and they, you know, like I know when I go to the doctor, uh, say I go to the dentist or anything, or or uh, 
a doctor's appointment and I have to sit there and, and relax while something's going on. When it's over, I'm like, oh man, that was a nice chance to get you know a little nap in or something. <laughs> I, I wish it wasn't over. So, so when you get into that relaxed state, like you said, you don't really want it to be over because you don't have so many opportunities to get to that point. Exactly, exactly. It's it's just a wonderful. I mean, I I listen to my own CDs all the time, you know, for relaxation and so forth. And I do self hypnosis with a with an anchor. We call call it an anchor where I can put myself into instant hypnosis for a minute or two. Just to relax. A session of hypnosis is about three or four hours sleep. That's how wonderful relaxing it is. Wow. Yeah. I could use that. <laughs> now, when you do uh, teach somebody self-hypnosis, are they able to apply it to different circumstances in their life? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's so funny that everybody's ballyhooing the secret. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're no, we, Larry King. Open. We've had a show on the secret. Yep. Actually, that's self-hypnosis. That's, that's all they repackage it. It's self-hypnosis. If you believe it to be true, it's true. If you can get that conscious mind to believe something that's true, it's true, whether it's real or not. So if you think positive and you act positive, and with the law of attraction, uh, positive things are going to happen. If you think negative, then it's going to You either say, I can do that, you can do it. If you say, I can't do it, you can't do it. But how can you break down a lifetime of negative thinking and turn it around to positive thinking? Well, what we do is... The basic for it with hypnosis, and I do it with all my suggestions, all my sessions, excuse me, uh, from from the smoker to, to the weight loss people, sports, we have a lot of sports people come in, is you have to let go of the past, okay, whether it's 40 years ago or 40 minutes ago, okay. You have to let go of the past, the negative stuff from the past. The only thing you're supposed to bring back from the past are fond memories and learning experiences. Everything else is nothing more than historical events and has no business affecting you in the present. So whether it's, if you got things bothered in your past, we have to do regression to bring you back to desensitize whatever events in the past and so forth to let go of it. Uh, or we give you anchors, like a lot of sports people, like I, you know, I, I do, uh, for instance, uh, you know, one of the ball players that I have has, has a problem. Uh, you know, when he's up at bat, you want to be in the zone. That's mm-hmm. that's what that's what hypnosis is, being in the zone. You're in your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind has all your... When you start thinking about something, that's when you goof everything up. So when you're up at bat, instead of concentrating on what's happening now and watching that pitch, they're thinking about, I struck out the last two times, I can't strike out this time. So you're living in the past. You can't change the past. There's no sense. You wouldn't drive your car forward while looking backwards, so why live your life that way? The past is over and done. You can't change it. So we use hypnosis to put the past behind you completely. Get the negative out, work on the positive, and so forth. You could do that with hypnosis. And then so if if somebody goes to a session, say, uh, and they want to you know, stop smoking, and they have that ability to, to use hypnosis to achieve that goal, then they're going to try to apply it to other circumstances like you know now i've stopped smoking i might gain weight from not smoking so now i'll you know under i'll use hypnosis as a way to control my weight well what happens with our program uh you don't gain weight with our quit smoking program because what we do is whenever people stop smoking on their own uh, whether they they call it willpower but it's actually self-hypnosis if you can convince your subconscious mind to believe that you are not going to smoke you're not going to smoke it's just like, you know, I, I hate to say this, but that nicotine patch is nothing more than hypnosis. 
You know, uh, if you believe it's going to work, it'll work. If you don't believe it's going to work, it's not going to work. You know, uh, because hypnosis, I mean, because nicotine's not an addictive drug. As much as people tell you about it, as much as you hear about it, it really isn't. I mean, if nicotine was an addictive drug, you'd uh, have to need a prescription to buy cigarettes. Plus, I've been there eight years, and not one person has walked through my door and said, Alan, can you help me? I'm addicted to the nicotine gum or the nicotine patch. That's true. But they want you to believe that because... Uh, if you go back in history, uh, you know, you could trace uh, hypnosis back to biblical times. Uh, but in more recent, uh, recent history, in the 1700s, with Dr. Antoine Mesmer, uh, where the word mesmerized came from, and he saw a street urchin with a, with a magnetic rod and had somebody in trance. So he thought that the whole world was, the whole universe was one big magnet, and that the people, when they were ill, that they were out of sync with nature, and that if he laid them down and ran this magnetic rod across them, he'd realign their, their magnet being realigned with the universe, and they would get better. Well, it worked. But actually it was hypnosis what he discovered. He called it animal magnetism, but it was hypnosis. They believed it was going to happen, and it happened. Yeah, it wasn't so much the magnet. It was the fact that right. they were willing to believe, believe it. it. They believed it, it was going to work. So, you know, then hypnosis kind of fell by the wayside once chloroform, because they, they, they used it for painless, for pain uh, in, 1800, in 1800, Dr. Esdale at Calcutta Prison was doing an operation on inmates with hypnosis being the only pain management thing. Um, but once chloroform, then ethan anesthesia, hypnosis kind of fell by the wayside. But the art was kept alive by stage hypnotists and a few companies. A few companies, I don't want to mention their names, but... They said, oh, geez, we can control people's mind and make them buy our product. They soon learned they couldn't control their mind, but if they combined it with psychology, hence hypnotherapy, they could influence your behavior to a large degree. They're the ones that found out that the mind, that we have two minds, a conscious and a subconscious mind, and the childlike mind is the boss. They also uh, discovered that the conscious mind is a rational mind. The subconscious mind is a childlike mind. Uh, for instance, if uh, you would started running the marathon and um, they said, okay, Tim, you're going to run the marathon as, against the 50 of the best runners in the country. He's like, geez, I just started. I, I can't do that. Come on, give it a shot. And you come in second. Well, your conscious, rational mind says, hey, I did damn good. I came in second out of 50 people. The childlike subconscious mind said, I wish that son of a gun had broke his leg or <laughs> fell, he cheated or whatever. So number one's more important. Two doesn't work with the subconscious mind, the powerful mind. And they also felt that we read from left to right over in this part of the country. So in the magazines and periodicals at the time, they put their ads in the top left-hand corner. The conscious mind went there first. Subconscious mind went there and said, oh, we went there first. That must be number one. That must be the best, as opposed to ads down on the bottom and on the other pages. Well, once television came out, and they said, okay, we'll pay tens of thousands of dollars for commercial. Of course, it's millions now because they realized they could hypnotize the masses with television by using waking hypnosis. They said, we'll pay all this money for commercials, but we want the commercial louder than the programming. So when you're sitting there watching that program, now we're at my sponsor. Hello. Oh, and yeah. you go into that waking hypnosis because no matter how slightly, you, if we're sitting here and we heard gunshots, or we thought were gunshots, boom, boom, boom. Our imagination mind would go crazy there. Was that gunshots? Was that a car going to fire? Mm -hmm. We were in hypnosis. We were in waking hypnosis. We were in our imagination mind. So that's what the commercials will do. 
And now words my sponsor, hello. Then they throw eye candy at you, try to get that imagination going. So like in the middle of February when it's two feet of snow out, it's six degrees. And now words my sponsor, hello. Then they are throwing a beach ball back and forth, you know. Oh, I wish it was summertime. Oh, look at that girl in the bikini. All the time to go drink Coca-Cola, go to Disney World. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and that's what that's that's what commercials do. And, and it works. That's why they can spend millions of dollars because they have people, you know. And the weight loss industry is a $60 billion a year industry because they do it better than anybody else. They do it better than anybody else because they found that one person in particular uh, puts us into hypnosis right away and that's a doctor and because we've been programmed since we're a child that doctors are the smartest people in the world of course i know some doctors i wouldn't let put a band-aid on me (laughs) but but since we're children oh he's smart he's going to be a doctor oh marry a doctor 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 what program doctors are the smartest people in the world that subconscious mind that's why you go to the doctors somebody come out and say what the doctor said he said this and this what else did he say I don't remember. You were in there now, or you don't remember? No, because you were in hypnosis. Mm-hmm. So what they did, they said, you know what? America hears the word doctor. They they assume medical doctor. We can get somebody with a Ph.D. in basket weaving and call him a doctor. So they'll throw a lab coat on him and a tie, and then it's a commercial. And now where's my sponsor? Hello, I'm Dr. Peter Jones. Whoa. Hypnosis. And they go, according to an independent survey. Now, independent survey is no scientific study. Mm-hmm. All it means is... It's independent for me. Somebody else did it. It's not factual. It's just opinions. But people hear that. They think it's factual. Hi, I'm Dr. Peter Jones. According to an independent survey, boom. And, oh, geez, I believe it. I'm gonna, the conscious mind knows the only way to lose weight is to burn more calories than you consume, period. Mm-hmm. But that subconscious mind will believe there's a magic pill. They'll believe that, uh, oh, geez. If you're not jogging at home, if you're not walking, if you're not doing push-ups, sit-ups, or crunches at home, buying that $1,000 piece of equipment on TV is not going to make a difference. But they'll feed that subconscious mind, and people will buy that treadmill or that $1,000 piece of equipment, and then they'll hang their clothes on in the bedroom until they sell in the yard sale in the summer. Well, because that's, that's what they say. They say, gee, look, it's it's easy. It's so much easier than having to go. Yeah. And that's what everybody's looking for, I guess, subconsciously, is the easy way out. Uh, I know that, you know, I've had my own problems with, with struggling with weight loss. And, and I know that I'll get into, when I can get into exercising, I reach that euphoric state of, hey, this feels good. I can't wait to get back here and do it again. But when you miss it once... And that's it. You know, it's hard, so hard to get back in there into that rhythm. So with something like hypnosis, where it's got to be easier to slip into that that feeling. Right. It gives and, you want power instead of willpower. And now, so if somebody comes in and they say, you know, I, I need to lose weight and I, I'd like to try hypnosis as a way to do that, uh, you're not telling them, you know, exercise more. You're going to find the time to exercise. You're focusing more on just the willpower of not Eating as much or eating balanced? Well, or? everybody has different problems with weight problems. Some mm-hmm. people have a lifelong issue with weight. Some people have uh, trauma in their life, maybe last five years or ten years. Sometimes, you know, you've been programmed, oh, when I hit 40, I'm going to get fat. Or women are programmed, oh, geez, when I get to change your life, I'm going to blow up. You know, that's not true. Not necessarily true. But if you've been programmed to believe that's true, that's going to be true. So you have to find out what your weight problem is. Uh... Is it, the, is it is it psychosomatic? Is it you're eating too large of portions? 
Uh, you're eating junk food. You too, eat too many sugars to sweet. Lack of exercise, lack of water. And what we do, we use hypnosis to change that specific behavior. Um, so it's specific to the individual? Right, and it's specific to the individual. And, and is it hard to, to, when they're in a hypnotic state, is it hard to find out what the cause is? Oh, no, we, the, everybody knows what their problem is. You know, we, you, we talk to them in the pre-talk before hypnosis, you know. How come, you, you know, while I'm 300 pounds and I want to be 250 or whatever, 225, well, how come you're not at 225? Ah, I love my ice cream. I love my chocolate cake. I love my Burger King. I eat too much. I eat 10 o'clock at night. They know why they mm-hmm. what the problem is. They just can't change it. So uh, it's very easy to find the uh, the problem. It's a solution. That's another story. Is it? But you say they come in knowing what the problem is. But is there ever a case when somebody says, "Gee, I I can't figure out what it is. I eat right. You know, I I, I eat small portions." Does it get to a point where it's something genetic? And- it, no, it's not genetic. Three things. Three things hurt human beings, and none of them are real. Uh, they're imagined, and that imagination subconscious mind. The first one is anxiety, which we talked about. Uh, for instance, uh, you're four years old, and you've got an eight-year-old brother. And your eight-year-old brother picks up this tiny spider and says, This spider's going to eat you. He's going to kill you. He's poisonous. Chase you all around the house where you're freaking out. Tell your, your mother slaps you in the head makes you throw the spider in the garbage. And that trauma to that four years old was so traumatic that you black it out of your mind. But mm-hmm. 40 years later, you're afraid of rubber spiders and have no idea why. Okay, that's anxiety. The second one, uh, it, it, it's actually another word for worry. Anxiety is, that's all it is. People can worry themselves to death. Uh, the other one is imagined fear, um, which, like I said, with the spider or whatever. But the worst and most insidious one of all is imagined guilt. Now, give an example of imagined guilt. Uh, I'm 18 years old. My grandma's 112. She says, uh, Alan, uh, stop by the house Tuesday. I want to talk to you. Okay, Grandma. Well, Tuesday comes. I blew her off. I forgot all about it. I call her up on Wednesday. Oh, Grandma, I forgot. I'll be there Thursday for sure. Okay, Alan. Thursday comes. I don't feel like going. I slip my sister two bucks to call Grandma. Tell her I'm sick. He's sick. He'll be there Saturday. Well, Friday comes. Grandma dies. Well, now I feel like, oh, I feel terrible. Grandma died. I was in that. Jeez, my conscious mind, I wish I was there. My subconscious mind, that imagination mind says, you killed Grandma. Mm-hmm. If you were there Tuesday, you could have saved her life. If you were there Thursday, you could. Therefore, you're guilty. And we've been programmed all our life. Guilt calls for punishment. How best can I punish myself? By not reaching the goals that I seek. By not being happy. By when things start going well for me, I must find a way to sabotage it. Because I don't deserve to be happy. So that's what that subconscious mind will do to you. <laughs> and for all the good it does, too. It's <laughs> yeah. going to go and do that to you. Well, we are talking with Alan Alves of the South Coast Hypnosis Center. And if you'd like to check out their website, it's southcoasthypnosis.com. Uh, their phone number is 508-676-7400. And uh, they're located at 126 President Ave in Fall River. And you can go there and, and sign up for not only some of their uh hypnosis sessions and, and work on some of these problems, but you can also train to become a hypnotist there too as well, and uh, it's got all the information on the website. We are coming up on the news break. When we come back in the second hour, we'll talk more with Alan, as well as having the Week and Weird, where we give you some of the strange and unusual news that you might not have heard uh, the rest of the week, and then we'll also check in with our science advisor, Matt Moniz, as well. Uh, he is in Maine, actually, 
it's funny that we are talking about hypnosis tonight because he's doing some regression hypnosis with some abductees up there that we've had them on the show before. We've talked about them a little bit before, so we'll talk about it. Oh, maybe around the last half hour of the show. And we want to remind everybody, next week, we're going to have a huge program here. I think we're going to have to go along that. So get get plenty of sleep uh, Saturday afternoon next week. I will. I always do. Because we're going to have to go late. Because uh, we're going to have a huge show. It's the 30th anniversary of the Dover Demon sighting. And so we put together an action-packed show for you to talk about the Dover Demon and some of the uh, stories associated with it. We're going to have Lauren Coleman, the cryptozoologist, is going to join us. We're, we're very excited about that. It'll be his first time on the show with us. We're also going to have Jeff Belanger from GhostVillage.com, who has been following the Dover Demon in recent years. And we're going to have Chris Balzano of the Massachusetts Paranormal Crossroads, just because we love Chris and we love bringing him in here all the time. I called him. I said, well, you're going to be on the show, right? And he said, well, I don't really get a lot of reports on the Dover Demon. And, you know, what are you going to have me talk about? It's like, it doesn't matter, Chris. You have to be here because we're doing one of these big three-hour shows and we need you. So he'll be here as well. And I think Keith Johnson is going to come in and, and step in from Matt Moniz. Uh, who will be yet again out in the field with John Horrigan of the Mass Monster Mash Conference. They're going to be out in Dover trying to track down this demon. So we're going to have uh, hopefully some audio of some firsthand accounts that Jeff's going to provide for us, as well as the latest on all of the sightings for the Dover demon. And if you have had any experiences with it, please get a hold of us. You can either email us, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com, you can hit our message board up on SpookySouthCoast.com. There's also our MySpace account, MySpace.com slash SpookySouthCoast. And the brand new, uh, the Howler line, which is our week-long uh, phone voicemails that we have set up. So you can give us a call about anything to do with the paranormal, any questions about the show, our guests, uh, some of the topics we've talked about, show suggestions, general thoughts, maybe you uh, have conducted an investigation and you want to share something with us, you can call that number. The number is 508-471-I-HOWL. Uh, Matt, you want to step in for Moniz? Oh! That's 508-471-4469. So you can use that line to get a hold of us all week long. And who knows, sometimes you might actually be uh, around that phone. We might answer it, pick it up. Costa, are you going to take some calls personally? You want to answer phone calls on the Howler sure. line? Sure, I'll definitely do that. So that's the best way to get to know. And, and what we'll do is we'll take all of these calls each week. We'll put them together in a package, and we'll play them on the air. Uh, so if you don't want to play it on the air, just let us know. It's kind of like our whiner line, if I can use that term without getting sued. Do you, do you think we can do that? Can we start setting it up as like a paranormal bitch line? I'll say why not. Why not? Yeah. If people want to. People want to complain about how paranormal the how junior high the paranormal is. Hey, we're going to be getting back into that subject a lot more in the future, too. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be back with more on hypnosis here on Spooky South Coast. So uh, try not to get hypnotized and fall asleep. (laughs) We'll be right back after the CBS News here on Spooky South Coast. I'm knitting myself a hat. And I'm sewing up a head to wear it on. I'm making myself some mittens And I'm stitching my fingers together to keep them warm inside I'm knitting myself a sweater To cover the body I'm wearing Knitting? Knitting? 
back to our number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa. We are here tonight, back after a two-week on-the-air hiatus. Uh, as I said, we did a show on planetparanormal.com. You can get that off our site, SpookySouthCoast.com, if you want to hear us talk about how junior high the paranormal has become. And you know, um, it occurred to us way too late in the process of that show, Matt, that it was awfully junior high of us to go on the air and complain about everybody complaining. It was. So, you know, what are you going to do now? Hey, now we're going to play in the the uh, the prom, the paranormal prom, and then uh, after paranormal graduation, we can all go away somewhere together, and it'll we'll have to have out. a paranormal prom committee meeting. Yes, absolutely. If you want to be on the paranormal prom committee, just sign up in Mr. Costa's office. All right, so we are talking to <laughs> so many inside jokes on this show that if people just only knew. We are talking about hypnosis with Alan Owls of South Coast Hypnosis Center. You can visit their site, southcoasthypnosis.com. We'll get right back to that in a few minutes, but now it's time for the return of our weekly news segment. More bad news. Well, I got a great show for you today with some wonderful weird stuff. I feel, I feel so very weird. <laughs> The Week in Weird. And you know, our first story here comes from the Associated Press. And I wish I had known this before we invested all the money that we spent in uh, setting up SpookySouthCoast.com and setting up our online store and our MySpace account and everything that we've done and spent time investing in. And and Alan, you know, the website for South Coast Hypnosis. Uh, I wish we had known this because we could have saved some money. Because the internet may eventually be scrapped, according to Anik Justanen, the AP internet writer. Although it has already taken nearly four decades to get this far in building the internet, some university researchers, with the federal government's blessing, want to scrap all that and start over. The idea may seem unthinkable, even absurd, but many believe a, quote, clean slate approach is the only way to truly address security, mobility, and other challenges that have cropped up since UCLA professor Leonard Kleinrock helped supervise the first exchange of meaningless test data between two machines on September 2, 1969. 
The internet, quote, works well in many situations, but was designed for completely different assumptions, said Dapankar Hurry, a Rutgers University professor overseeing three clean slate projects. It's sort of a miracle that it continues to work well today. No longer constrained by slow connections and computer processors and high costs for storage, researchers say the time has come to rethink the Internet's underlying architecture, a move that could mean replacing networking equipment and rewriting software on computers to better channel future traffic over the existing pipes. Even Vincent Cerf, one of the Internet's founding fathers, is co-developer of the key communications techniques, said the exercise was, quote, generally healthy because their current technology does not satisfy all needs. One challenge in any reconstruction, though, will be balancing the interests of various cons- cons- constituencies. The first time around, researchers were able to toil away in their labs quietly. Industry is playing a bigger role this time, and law enforcement is bound to make its needs for wiretapping known. There's no evidence they are meddling yet, but once any research looks promising, quote, a number of people will want to be in the drawing room, said Jonathan Zetrain, the law professor affiliated with Oxford and Harvard. They'll be wearing coats and ties and spilling out of the venue. The National Science Foundation wants to build an experimental research network known as the Global Environment for Network Innovations, or GENI, G-E-N-I, and it is funding several projects at universities elsewhere through Future Internet Network Design, or FIND. So a new network could run parallel with the current Internet and eventually replace it, but perhaps the aspects of the research could go into a major overhaul of the existing architecture. It could take billions of dollars to replace everything needed uh, to get involved in this, and, of course, the billions of dollars we've all spent on various websites and things that we've ordered. You know, what I want to know is, if I order something off, uh, like, Amazon.com and then they scrap the Internet, like, is it going to make it, am I still going to get my stuff? I don't know. I would think so. What, what if uh, What if I'm bidding on something on eBay? Uh, you'll lose out on your uh, Superman lunchbox or something. I don't want to lose out on that. It's taking me forever to find that. So there you go. The Internet could be scrapped, and if it is... Well, we're all up a creek then. Think of how many people make their living off the internet alone. Sounds like a lot of work to switch it over. Might as well just leave it. Just leave it the way it That's is. That's what I'd do. You know, you know who's going to have a problem with this I'm is lazy, like so. the people who sell these security systems and That's security true. programs. So well, I don't think it'll happen, but it's something to keep an eye on. What do you have for us, Matt Costa? Get weird for us. A Guatemalan city neighborhood plummeted some 30 stories into the earth. After rumbling reported for several weeks... The 330-foot-deep sinkhole swallowed about a dozen homes and is so far blamed in the deaths of three people. Rainstorms and a ruptured sewer main may have caused the sinkhole, officials say. After the collapse, the seemingly bottomless depths gave off tremors, sounds of flowing water, and the scent of sewage. Sinkholes can occur when underground rocks that, that are dissolved by water, such as salt or limestone, are overrun. The removal of groundwater can also leave gaps underground that can lead to sinkholes. While, while the cause of the Guatemalan City abyss remains uncertain, its effects are undeniable. Police have since established a 500-yard no-go zone around the sinkhole, and nearly 1,000 people will be forced to evacuate. There you go. Well, that, that's kind of terrible. Yeah. Imagine if that happened here. Our sinkhole would fill up with water be like in a giant well. Well, speaking of water, this story comes from the Highland News. That, that's what you call a really bad that, segue. That was that's, a good tra- transition. That's a bad transition. That's a very bad transition. <laughs> the, I think you should, when, you go, back to, amusing, though, so. when you go back to CSB and teach a course, I want you to record that and use that as an example of a bad transition. Right. 
From the Highland News, an English holiday maker thinks he may have taken the first picture of the season of the elusive Loch Ness Monster. Sidney Wilson was in the city with his wife Janet when they decided on a cruise down the loch to take in the sights. And it was as they approached Urquhart Castle that he ended up taking this intriguing photograph. Sidney, who comes from Nottingham, said, I was just taking pictures of everything as we sailed down the loch. As we approached the castle, two powerboats appeared and circled us at speed, leaving leaving a large wash in their wake. Thinking that it would make a good photograph, I fired off two quick shots, and on the second, there appeared to be something in the water. After enlarging the image, Sidney could swear he could see a head and a fin in the boat's wash. After showing the image to staff of the National Hotel in Dingwall, they advised him to contact the Highland News. That sighting took place on Tuesday, March 27th. The earliest claim reference to Nessie is taken from the history of St. Col- is taken from the history of St. Columba, in which it is said that he saved the life of a Pict who was being attacked by the monster. I love when I read stories that are in, like, English slang, and I don't know what they mean. The first modern sighting occurred on May 2, 1933. A report in a local newspaper claimed that a Mr. and Mrs. John McKay saw an enormous animal rolling and plunging on the surface. Most sightings take place between March and September, a coincidence cynics claim coincides with the tourist season. So... Of course, we'd love to tell you that we have a p- that picture posted up on SpookySouthCoast.com, but uh, they shut down the Internet to overhaul it, so it's going to be down oh. for a little while. But uh, you can probably find it when the Internet goes back up somewhere uh, on Google. At least tomorrow morning. Yeah, okay. I'll do yeah. that All right. if it works. All right. What do you have Maybe. for us? All right. After lying almost untouched in the vaults of Italian University for 500 years, a book of magic arts written by Leonardo da Vinci's best friend and teacher has been translated into English for the first time. The world's oldest magic text, the Viribus Quartex, which translates to On the Powers of Numbers, was penned by, by Luca. Well, I expect a joke later about Luca. I live on the second floor. <laughs> on the second floor. Luca... Pacioli, a monk who shared lodgings with da Vinci and is believed to have helped the artist with the Last Supper. It was written between 1496 and 1508 and contains the first ever reference to card tricks as well as a guidance on how to juggle, eat fire, and make coins dance. The transcription had taken over eight years involving several translators and cost thousands of dollars. William Kalush, a magician and the founder of Conjuring Arts Research Center in New York City, who financed the project, said, This book is the first major manual that is primarily concerned with teaching how to perform magic. Experts believe it will give a greater understanding of magical history as well as insights into da Vinci's life and work. It's also a very important document for the viewpoint of his works as it mentions the Last Supper. The translation will be published next year to coincide with its 500th anniversary. Until then, da Vinci aficionados and aspiring magicians will have to be content with re- with visiting the Conjuring Arts Research Center, where a copy will be kept. Are you going to sing it, at least? No, I'm not going to sing it. Oh. You know, that's a song that's about the bringing the child abuse to the forefront and making people... And you constantly make fun of that song. Uh, well, he has a funny name. Luca? Come on. Luca Brasi? <laughs> you know, I started that. I, I, I should take the blame for that. I did start you on the, uh, the the Luca jokes, but you know it, it's it's kind of interesting though that they find this book and it's you know supposedly one of the oldest volumes of magic and you think it'd be like on the dark arts and black magic and all that kind of stuff and it's on you know, yeah. it's on card tricks, yep. parlor tricks. <laughs> it just goes to show you, you know, sleight of hand's been around for a long time. Even back then, people wanted to be entertained. Even back then, they were gullible. Yeah, so it works. 
I always want to know how my father did that coin trick. For years, I didn't think my grandfather actually had a real thumb. You thought it, it was just, it just able to in separate middle. in the yeah. middle? Well, well, you know the greatest magic trick in the history of magic. You know the devil's ashes. I do. That's like the greatest magic trick. Well, we'll do... We'll, 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 we'll have to film it. And we'll do a YouTube video of it. Yeah. yeah, that'll work. All right, well, that is The Week in Weird. If you have anything you'd like to submit for The Week in Weird, just go to the message board on SpookySouthCoast.com, click on the Week in Weird thread, drop the story in there, and we will maybe give you credit for it. So... We'll be right back. We'll talk more about hypnosis with Alan Alves of South Coast Hypnosis Center. And your calls at 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. We'll be right back here on Spooky South Coast. Welcome to this powerful hypnotherapy recording which has been designed to help you overcome any fears or anxieties. Now come backward from 10. 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. Spooky South Coast is back. This is a story about We are controlling the airwaves once again here on Spooky South Coast. We are back. Here on WBSM, and we'll be back next week and the week after that, and uh, for most of the summer. There's, a, I checked the Red Sox schedule. Very few times will we be bumped off this summer, uh, and if we are, we'll find a way to work around it. Maybe do some early shows. You're up for early shows, right, Matt? I'm up for anything. All right, so we will be here for you each and every week, Spooky South Coast, talking about not just the paranormal, not just the strange and unusual, but trying to give you some things that you don't normally hear on the radio. Uh, things that can help your life and, and help you out, things that you might not have known about or had questions about and weren't too sure. And tonight, hopefully, we dispelled some of the myths around hypnosis for you because it's a valuable tool to help you in your life, uh, not only with, you know, you, you heard people say, oh, I'm going to go to a hypnosis session to quit smoking, to lose weight, uh, you know, to help with depression, but you can also just use it, you know, to help relax, to, to get rid of some of the stress in your life. And, Alan, there's so many different uh, options of, of things people can undergo at South Coast Hypnosis Center. And one of the things that I found interesting, and I'd never heard of it till you came in tonight, was hypnobirthing. Right, yeah, that's um, painless childbirth, believe it or not. Um, my two daughters, uh, Danielle Oliveira and Debbie Alves, they, they, they do it. They're also hypnotherapists, um, but they specialize just in the hypnobirthing, um, which is a pleasant birth for mom and um no epidermal, no needles, no no medications, and go through like a natural childbirth, uh, pain-free. And uh, it's healthier for the baby. It's healthier for the mom. They heal better. The babies are much better babies and so forth. Uh, we get a lot of good response and uh, and a lot of happy moms out there. I mean, even though you don't feel the pain, can you still feel, I mean, it's, it's hard asking you because you're a man, but can you still feel the process of what's it, going on? Yeah, the, it, it's, the, it's pressure, you know. Like I said, uh, we talked about earlier, a lot of pain is learned. Mm -hmm. And what happens is um, we're programmed that when we have pain, we tense up. And when you tense up, you get more pain. You get more pain, you tense up more, and so forth, so you make your pain worse. So if the first instant you get pain and you have a trigger where you can relax, then that pain doesn't go any further. So... And with all the babies that are popping up in the paranormal field lately, I think everybody we know is pregnant pretty much now. This is something they should definitely check out and look into because I know some, some of the people we talk to here in the field, they can't deal with pain. Right, Matt? They're a bunch of wusses. <laughs> I don't want to. 
<laughs> no, we're I'll not. Keep my comments to myself. Yeah, we're not naming any names. Now, one of the other services that you offer there is Reiki, which is something that is really coming to the forefront lately. Oh yeah, we have uh, Denise O'Brien. She does. She's our Reiki girl over there. She does a wonderful job. Um, she's probably one of the. Uh, you know, I'm not just because she works out of our office, but she's probably one of the best around because she got trained by uh, the number one Reiki master in, in all of the United States. So. Um, so we do Reiki there, uh, which is, uh, it's, it's a therapeutic, uh, hand, uh, touch, uh, healing, uh, developed, uh, in Japan. It kind of, at least from what I understand, it kind of relies on the chakras of the body and, and correct. trying to put those all in balance. Correct. Correct. And, you know, and, you know, with the powers of the universe and so forth. Is, have you tried it yourself? Have you I, I, I did Reiki one. I, I studied it and everything else. But uh, after I get into it, and I said, like, you know, where, where some of the chakras are located on the human body, I said, like, I can just see a lawsuit here, uh, you know, because <laughs> we live in a litigious society. So I said, absolutely. Yeah. I said, no, no sense in me getting involved in that. And you said you also offer massage there now as well. Yeah, we have uh, uh, Tamara Raymond, who was also my associate hypnotherapist. She also. Uh, is a certified massage therapist, so she's providing a, a massage there along with, you know, the quit smoking, the weight loss, and a host of other things we do there. And if you'd like to get in touch with the South Coast Hypnosis Center, it's southcoasthypnosis.com or 508-646-6069. I think I gave the fax number out earlier. Yeah, well, yeah, either number, though. It doesn't matter. You call either number. And and so you can always call there and find out a little bit more if you still have some more questions about what it is. What about insurance, medical insurance? Do they cover hypnosis? Uh, they do in some instances, but we don't take insurance any longer. I'm, you know, it's been three years. I'm still trying to collect from the insurance company, so, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's ridiculous. And then they tell you that they want you to cut it down to 46 minutes and they want to raise. You know, so they're telling you how to do your job, which, you know. I can tell. I may take an hour. May two, take two hours. And, you know, the, the, my client is what's important, not the clock. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what's the average, you know, hypnosis session run? In <clears> price-wise, price yeah. Price-wise, well, the first two-hour session, all sessions are private and personal, one-on-one. Uh, that first session is two hours. Uh, it's one hundred and fifty dollars for that session. Um, whether it's if it's smoking. If you're a pack a day, you can get away with one one session. Presently, we have a 92.6% success rate with smokers. Uh, if it's weight loss, a rule of thumb is uh, uh, 25 pounds or less, you can get away with one session. Uh, if it's more than that, then you're going to require subsequent sessions. Subsequent sessions are an hour, they're $100. Uh, the weight program we use was featured on Dateline on the Weight Loss Challenge where the six Quincy High School students were going to the 25th class reunion and so forth and uh you know uh one was the uh they used the atkins diet another one south beach diet slim fast training for marathon and hypnosis and my colleague and friend tom nicoli uh was the one he got stuck with a pastry chef but that pastry chef lost 13 pounds in the first week Wow. And then eventually lost his 50 pounds. So that's the program we use, which was developed by Tom McCauley. And when you think about it, if you look at uh, people say, you know, oh, well, insurance doesn't cover because you're not going to use insurance. You know, I can't afford it then. But if you look at what you're spending for a carton of cigarettes every week or if you look at what you're spending in fast food, drive through bills, you know. Yep, that, that's what I tell when, a, when someone comes in. They say, well, I smoke a pack a day. And I say, well, 
I, you know, and I just I just cut it down to them real quick. I said, well, you're looking at about forty dollars a week you're spending on cigarettes, about one hundred and sixty dollars a month. At the end of the year, you're looking at close to two thousand dollars, and in mm-hmm. five years, ten thousand dollars. How's that sound for you? Like, wow! Not to mention all the health benefits. And and the, just the the personal investment too, to be able to enter into hypnosis yeah. and, and to realize how you can utilize it in your life, is probably more valuable than just using it to quit what it is that you're trying to quit. Exactly, and, and the fact that uh, the fact that you're paying out of your pocket, it puts more value to the subconscious mind mm-hmm. because you know if you get something for nothing. It's worth nothing, but if you invested something, uh, you know, I, I you, know that's that's the whole story. I know that firsthand. I mean, if I pay for something, I want to make sure that well, I utilize exactly. Uh, exactly. It, with the exception of my gym membership. <laughs> All right. Well, why, why don't we take our final break of the night, and then on the other side, we will get science advisor Matt Moniz on the phone, and we'll talk to him more we'll, about what he's doing up in Maine, and we'll get into uh, a little bit of. Uh, regression therapy as well. So stay tuned here on Spooky South Coast. Don't look now, but Spooky South Coast is creeping up behind you right after this. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here. The silent assassin, Matt Costa, alongside as well. And we have on the phone line tonight our science advisor, Matt Moniz, who is up in Maine. Uh, he's doing some work there. And, you know, have you seen Moniz lately? I haven't seen him in months. I know. It's, he's like he hasn't been around. He's not going to be here next week either because he's going to be out searching for the Dover Demon with John Horrigan. So He's a brave man. Yeah. Searching. For the Dover Demon? Yeah. He's a brave man just in general for yes. putting all these miles on his car. All right, so let's uh, go to Matt Moniz. Uh, how you doing, Matt? What's happening, guys? Now, uh, about how many miles have you put on your car today alone? Today alone, about 200, almost 300 miles. All right. Well, uh, are you taking the uh, the official Spooky South Coast uh, vehicle or yep. one of the WBSM vans maybe? Or? No, taking, <laughs> taking my uh, Spooky vehicle. So, uh now, you realize that there's bad weather coming, right? Yes. Okay. Just make sure that you don't get stuck in it. You hear that echo? He's in a safe place if you get stuck. All right. I don't, I don't know why, but we're getting some sort of echo back here, Matt. You can hear us fine, right? Yeah. Okay. that better? Any other room, Matt, maybe it'll be better because I can hear you echoing, too. Oh, okay. Well, that's because we have Matt on the phone as well as uh, Audrey, who is one of the – she's called us before. She's talked with us before. Uh, she's been one of the people undergoing this hypnosis uh, earlier today. Matt, what exactly uh, were you doing? Well, Joe Nyman was here earlier to regress Audrey. Um, she had had an experience uh, a couple of months ago, and uh, she wanted a resolution to it. So Joe came in, gave her a preliminary interview via a series of questions before the session, and after the session was uh, initiated, proceeded to ask more detailed questions. And under hypnosis, she was able to recall far more details. So I'll let Audrey augment that if she cares. Oh, I will. You can ask me anything. I'm here. <laughs> well, now, how did you realize that you'd had some sort of experience if, um, if it was... All, it's been happening all my life. Mm-hmm. Um, as far back as I can remember, you know, I was a little girl, and the bald man used to come into my room, and that's how I used to classify it. You know, it's not the, bo- it's the boogeyman, kind of, but not really, but... It was a reality um, thing. 
I remember um, feelings and situations after the hypnosis. I realized what they mean and you know what what I'm here for, pretty much. And and so you had a, a recent incident, and that led to you uh, needing to undergo one of these sessions. Yes. And I mean, what were you aware of having had happened before the hypnosis? How did what did you know had gone down? Um, I knew they came to my house again, and but now I I'm starting to remember more. Um, I'm starting to realize what they want, who they are. Um, and Joe Nyman and I worked together um, eight years ago, and at that time I was really skeptical and didn't really want to uncover anything and let them know that what was going on because, I, you know, at this point I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, found out he was, you know, pretty credible and did my own research before I talked to anybody. And Joe, he's a great guy. And Matt, of course, has been a friend of mine, you know, since for eight years now. So. Well, uh, hopefully you'll eventually repress some of your memories of Matt Moniz, too, as we've tried to. <laughs> <laughs> no, there'll never be any repressing of Matt. I love Matt. Oh, we tease him. We tease him because we love him. I know, and I do too. That's why he's here. He's getting picked on constantly. I've been, I've been taking yeah. care of it for you. <laughs> I've been taking care of it. Now, now we have Alan Alves with us from. Hello, South- Alan. Hello, Audrey. How are you? And you can ask Alan all about me. You know. <laughs> well, well, my question for Alan is: uh, Have you ever experienced uh, in doing hypnosis anybody that claims, you know, that something like this has happened? Uh, yes, but I'm not at liberty to talk mm-hmm. about it. But but it's not, what, what I'm saying is it's it's not an unusual phenomenon for somebody to say, you know, I think something has happened and I, there's things I can't explain and I'd like to go back to try to find yeah. out what happened. Yeah, that's happened. I've been called to that. Sometimes they came to me, yeah. And it, the advantage too, Audrey, of being able to do it is we were talking before, you know, the subconscious is what holds your, your permanent memories, the ones that you can't alter. Exactly. And it, they're also the ones that... Um, Humanity and society tries to alter significantly, which is impossible. I don't care what they say. And what what do you get out of being able to find these answers? I mean, do you feel more of a comfort level with it's, what's going it's on? More, it's more detailed. Um, I, my comfort level has increased um, in, in the last few years to a point where I'm accepting the fact that this is happening to me, and I'm not accepting the fact that people think that it's not happening to me. Mm-hmm. So it's become, you know, to myself, I've, I'm now recognizing that it is fat, and I don't care what anybody says. And it's right now it's to the point where it's, it's truth. The truth has to come out. And, Matt, while you're watching her undergo these sessions, what what's it like to the other people in the room? Well, uh, I've, I've not hypnotized Audrey. I've hypnotized her twin sister, Debbie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find it interesting to watch somebody else hypnotize the other twin and get roughly the same reactions. So to me that adds a bit of validity to the circumstances that both of them are experiencing. Now, they're having similar re- similar results and similar reactions. And while you're watching it uh, go on, I mean, what is your opinion of in terms of, I mean, I know that you believe them because you've been working with them for a long time, but, I mean, do you see in their faces that they they have to be telling the truth? By their reactions? Mm -hmm. Uh, In most 
cases of hypnosis, most people don't really physically, physically react, but when they do, it is very easy, it is very easy to see that it is uh, a genuine reaction. Yes, you can tell that it is a very, very strong reaction. And have you saw? Have you ever? Have you ever gone undergone hypnosis yourself, Matt? Yes. And for you know, just general purposes, medical purposes, or for a similar type of situation. Well, I'll just leave it that I have tried hypnosis before. Okay. Leave it at that. Well, I was just wondering if, like you, you know, if your experience had been something like stage hypnosis, as we talked earlier, or you know, like if you'd gone to see Frank Santos or something. Um, I did it for past life regression. That's okay. one of the ones. That, one of the reasons I've done it just to check and see what, what that was all about. I've done it for a couple of other items, but I'll leave it. That's a little bit more private. Okay. I'd like to leave that at that. But but you have undergone it as a right. as a research tool and as, as right. you know, and not... I've also, like I said, learned how to do it. I've, I've hypnotized a number of people before. So while you're there and, and you're doing this work and you're, you're able to get these answers, I mean, how does it help their lives... Does it help them any more than just giving them a better understanding of what happens in these memories they can't recall? I think getting a, a, more of a clarity on a situation that has help, happened to them helps them, as it would help anybody. If you can get a little bit more information about something, a tragic event that's happened to you, it helps you to answer these events for yourself, if you understand what I'm saying. Oh, I do. It helps you believe yeah, that it actually happened and that you're not crazy and, and nobody convinced you otherwise because now you remember the exact details. Yeah, and probably and because it desensitized the event, so, you know, it gives you a better chance to live with it, too. Yeah. It, we, we had talked earlier about using regression as a way, as you said, to desensitize some of these events. I mean, people who are not abductees can use that to benefit themselves. Oh, yeah, we do regression all the time in my office, and, and what we do, we look for what for that ab reaction. Uh, we, we really want them to relive whatever incident they had, and so we can't desensitize it. Um, so and yeah. Is that what's going on in your mind, Audrey, when you want to go? Are you reliving the actual oh experience? Oh, my God, it's not reliving, it's being there again. It's, it's like at the same moment, right. you know, I'm living, I guess, yeah, I'm reliving it. I'm yeah. feeling every emotion, every pain. Yeah. Um, See it, hear it, smell it. Yeah, and, and I feel it, and, and I mean, you know, things go numb, they hurt, I get pains, I get pictures, I get feelings, but I also get a sense of I'm not, I'm not, I'm, it, you know, I'm not crazy, I know this really happened, you know, because I can't, I couldn't possibly imagine or, or make believe these feelings that I'm getting, or even explaining. It's not something, I mean, I'd be a very good fictional writer, you know, like Stephen King, if I could just make this stuff up. It's, it's not something I could just come up with in my own head. It, it's there. You know, it's there and it hurts. And it, and it hurt just as much this time, but now I understand it more. And I have people around me that are helping me and that that's by itself, you know, the, the best thing that's ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. no. people that understand. Now, Alan, I'm not at all suggesting this is what's happening in this case, but is it possible when somebody gets into that state in a regression session where they're recalling this experience, can suggestion be put into what they're doing? No, but they're not recalling. They're reliving. It, it, but that's what I mean. If while you're reliving it, is it possible that somebody could tell them, no, this is what's happening? 
Well, no. What you want to do is, um, um, let me see. It's kind of hard to explain, but um, what what you want to do is you want to to relive it, mm-hmm. get an ab reaction, real emotional uh, attachment to it, remove them from the scene, and then bring them back as the more informed adult, uh, the here and now person. Like uh, if it happened when you're three years old, it's traumatic. Now you go back as the adult and look at it as a third party. And you see it, and it's not, it desensitizes it. Okay, I I see it as an adult now, not as that fearful child. So you take that three-year-old, that five-year-old that's running around in your imagination mind, not knowing if she survived. And now you take it out of that subconscious mind, put it in your heart where you not can protect it. Not make believe anymore. Right. Well, one thing that I'm, I'm, I'm looking at here, and like I said, I'm not trying to suggest this is what's happening, but it's one of the questions that comes up when... Uh, there's regression done in abductee cases. Is is it would it be possible if somebody is in that state of reliving it that somebody could stand there and well, then say, "Now you see an alien right well, there." Well, what, what when you do a regression, the person themselves you're, is doing all the talking. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you're asking, can somebody be led? Essentially, in, yes, in because that's one of the accusations. Salted? I would have to say no. If okay. anybody that's worth their salt that knows what they're doing with hypnosis, you wouldn't be able to do it. And ethically, you wouldn't do it in the first place. And I'm sure Mr. Alves would agree with me. Absolutely. Just because that's the one of the biggest criticisms you hear about these, you know, especially with a guy like Bud Hopkins, Matt, who you know very well. I've known Bud for 20 years, yeah. But, but people make those accusations that they say, well, they're putting it into their heads when they're in these sessions, and they're, they're making them think that they have these experiences. Well, you can't make somebody There's see There's no way you can make this happen in my head. Well, exactly. Right? There's no way that anybody can tell me what's going on. And even if they thought they could, I would totally turn it around and blow their mind. Mm-hmm. And, and what as, really happened. As I said, you know that I believe. I'm just playing devil's advocate here and asking know. questions. Speaking of questions, we have a caller on the line, so let's take this call. Okay. Uh, good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Hi. How are you guys? All right. I just wanted to tell Audrey I love her, and I'm behind her, and I think she's great for doing this. Hi, Luann. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, too. What's up, Luann? Hey, Matt. How are you? Sweetheart. Good to hear your voice. It's been years. I know. God. God we got to get together. I've heard Alan's voice and Matt's voice, and it's just weird. Yeah, that's what we do here. We bring everybody together. That's well, what we're trying exactly. to do anyway. Well, it's a good thing. Big circle of friends. It is. All right. Well, we'll be talking to you real soon, Luann. Oh, yes, you will. <laughs> nine or ten yes, days, so. I think. Uh, if not before then. Oh, I'm sure we will. We're always yapping. But, yeah, I just wanted to show my support for Audrey, and it's funny, I've thought of doing hypnosis a little bit to bring back some of the memories that I've repressed, Mm -hmm. and I don't trust anyone. It's like, you can't put me under. I mean, hearing that Audrey could do this gives me some courage. Would you trust me? Maybe. (laughs) If Audrey can trust you, I guess i got to trust you. That's why, you know, I had people all around me that I trusted, and that is the main actor right there and then you know i find out you know alan alves is there and i haven't talked to him in 15 years but i trusted him you know as long as i can remember and i still do and it's just it's a strange circle but it, it's coming all right well luann thanks for checking in anytime i just have to show my support for you guys i think it's great what you're doing we always appreciate it well have a great night love the show guys all right take care good night bye and, yeah, maybe we'll have her uh, get in touch with you, Alan, because she has had, she's talked about on the show before, she has had a lot of memories. She's had some traumatic experiences 
uh, that have led her down this path uh, into the paranormal. And, yes, Leanne, uh, Leanne's a great, great woman, um, and she has been through a lot, and she is in my life again, as with Matt and Alan and, you know, there's several others that are coming into my life at, at the same time. It's, you know, they say there's no coincidences. No, and there's not, and I believe that, and that's what's happening right now. We all need to, to pull together and get our strength because we're all strong people, and we need to to build it all into one and just, you know, it will be unstoppable <laughs> pretty much. And, and so is it key to you now to be able to, each time you have the suspicion that something has happened, to be able to do a regression and to, to enter into a hypnotic state? To be yes. able to reach peace with it? What happens is, uh, you know, I trust Joe. And mm -hmm. the, the last time I was abducted, I remembered a lot more. And it happened three times um, within, you know, two months. And I called Matt and, I, you know, I called Joe. Actually, I, I mean, I looked on the Internet frantically to find Joe because he had done this before with me. But the first time he did it with me, when he first opened my mind, it was scary as hell, and I didn't want to do it again. So that's why it's been eight years, and I wasn't ready for it. He opened up a lot when he first regressed me, which I wasn't ready for. You have to be ready for it. You have to understand it. You have to realize that you're looking at yourself and not watching a movie. Mm -hmm. Now, Matt, I know we've talked in the past, too, about how once people are aware of what's going on, uh, in terms of uh, alien abductions, that it, sometimes it can level off. Yes. And then sometimes it can increase when people are more aware of what's going on. Do you think that that's the case in this situation, that they're they're aware that she's aware and it's it's not really phasing them? My personal opinion, mm -hmm. I think they're working on their own agenda, uh, independent of whether that Audrey and her sister are aware or not. And that's true through most of the abduction cases. As you know, I've been following abduction cases for many, 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 many years. Mm -hmm. And I know many, many, many abductees. And uh, one thing I can definitely say is that they will, meaning they, meaning them, uh, aliens or whatever they are, make no bones about doing what they're doing, whether they have, uh, whether the person has an aware awareness of that they're being abducted or not. Uh, so, one, as one abductee put it, who is a, um, shall we say, combative and trying to do everything that this person could to, you know, prevent this from happening to them, said uh, one stance he took is, uh, you know, the, the denial, you're not there, you're not real, you know, is what he basically said to the aliens. And the alien said something back to him that is pretty ominous. The alien says that Quote, it doesn't matter if you believe we exist. What matters is we believe you exist. But the thing is, is, is once you get over the fact that people think that, you know, it's, it's, they try to tell you it's not happening. Once you understand within yourself and you know what's happening, then you can tell people what's happening. And they don't tell you that you're lying anymore and they don't try to convince you that it's not happening because once you realize yourself that it's real, then you're going to convince whoever you're talking to that it's happening. And period. Because once you believe it yourself, because for years they try to tell you that it's not happening and they want you not to think it's happening. 
and they, that's what they do. But once you see that it's happening, other people around you will see it's happening because you believe it, and and you're not lying. I mean, it's not something that you can lie about. It's not a joke. It's not funny. It's not something that you know you just throw up in the air just for laughs. This isn't something that you mess with. It's something that's been with me all my life, and this is me. Well, it, it's interesting that you mentioned you use the word lying. Alan, can you lie under hypnosis? Well, I'm sorry, uh, in hypnosis? <laughs> I'm going to get over that, I swear. Well, you, it depends on what state of hypnosis you are. In regular hypnosis, I mean, like, regression is a little different than, mm -hmm. than hypnosis, but... Uh, in hypnosis, you can be a better liar than you are when you're not. You're not going to divulge any deep, dark secrets unless you want to. You know, I mean, the person that comes to me, uh, if they don't want to tell, divulge any deep, dark secrets, but they want to quit smoking and lose weight, they're not going to divulge anything. But like in like in Audrey's case, where she wanted to divulge, then then she'll divulge. You know, it just seems like uh, when you're dealing when you're Getting into that level of the subconscious mind, the more the barriers you can break away, you're breaking away that need to lie. You would hope, you know, the the need to throw up that defense mechanism. Well, the thing is, is, I don't think anybody would lie about instances like in my life because there's no need to. There's no need to make yourself well, no, well, like that if it's not true. I mean, it's not something that you want to broadcast. And why would you lie about it? It's not for attention. Because obviously, I mean, it's not positive attention. Most most of the people, you know, will look at you. But at, at the point where I am now, there's there's no lie. There's no, you know, it, it, it can't be a lie. And, and it's, it's not the Jerry Springer show. <laughs> well, what I was explaining, Audrey, is someone comes in and, uh, like, for instance, if you came in, but you didn't want to divulge what you divulged today, but you came in for quit smoking or weight loss, and I got you into hypnosis, and I asked you about this, and you didn't want to divulge it. You could lie about it and convince me that it didn't happen. I don't think that, that I if could. If you didn't want to divulge it. No one could make you divulge it. That's what I'm saying. Well, then and then it wouldn't be divulged, but it wouldn't be a lie because it wouldn't be said. Mm -hmm. Correct. You know, you say what you mean, and you say it not because you're trying to attract attention to yourself. Because, God, I don't need this kind of attention. You know, this isn't the kind I want. It's not the paparazzi. I don't need that. I want the truth, though. I need the truth to come out. As that's all I care about anymore is, is the truth. Now, have you used hypnosis in other aspects of your life? Um, only only with Joe Nyman. I've worked with him before. So you've only used the regression? Yes. W would you be willing to try? Maybe there's other, you know, just for relaxation techniques? Oh, or? yeah. I, I need that. I, I talked to Alan... Um, I would love to, you know, anything try it because it, when I was when I'm under, I'm, I'm so relaxed and I'm so clear-minded because it's like you know at night when you can't sleep and you have that anxiety and you're just panicky because there's so many thoughts racing through your head and you can't concentrate on just one. When you're under hypnosis, you can concentrate on just one and you can deal with each issue because you're relaxed. That's what I put up on what on our board earlier. That's what hypnosis and regression is all about. Your relaxed state. Your yeah. body's so relaxed that your mind is allowed to reach into those recesses of the memory. You can stop those racing thoughts from going by and grab one and concentrate on it. 
And that's the best because, you know, I mean, everybody, don't care who you are, has racing thoughts. And, and when they go to sleep, they, they're trying so hard to concentrate. But there's so many things they're thinking about that it all becomes a cluster, you know, a beep. <laughs> I don't want to swear, but... No, but I mean that's but that's what I was getting to, you know, being able to use it to help cope with the obvious anxiety that must come along with. It's a focus factor. It helps you focus on the one thing that you're trying to hide with everything else that's racing by you. You need to deal with that one thing, and the one thing that scares you the most is the one thing you need to be relaxed in. The hypnosis helps, and it helps when you're comfortable with the people that are there. And you know that they're not going to hurt you and you're not threatened. It helps you become yourself and your accepted self. There's nobody there to judge you. It's, it's a total atmospheric and total relaxation. And to be able to totally relax and get hypnotized, you have to be comfortable with who you're talking to. To be free of fears and yes, misconceptions. And totally yes. free of fear. And somebody who actually wants to understand you and help you. All right. Well, we thank you for sharing uh, your experiences with us. And, Matt, we thank you for uh, calling in and giving us this opportunity to talk with Audrey. Anytime, guys. Anytime. And next week we won't see you again because you'll be out on the road searching for the Dover Demon. That's correct. It never stops for you. Uh, what did I say about my um, New Year's resolution to be out on the road more? Yeah, you're definitely living up to it so far. Next year's New Year's resolution, resolution will be to stay home more. Yeah. I still haven't really unpacked from moving into my new house. That's all right, though. You might as well just stay packed. Well, you got the backpack. <laughs> you never know where you're going next. Yeah. All right. Thank you for checking in. You have a good night, Audrey. Stay, okay, stay safe. Good. Bye, Alan. Bye. Have a Bye, Alan. Bye, Love you. Love See you. you later. Have a good one. We'll talk to you in the future. Take care. Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye. And that is science advisor Matt Moniz with the the twins that he's uh, working on with some regression therapy uh, and their abductions. But, you know, Alan, it's just one of the many things that hypnosis can be used for. We talked about a lot of them tonight, and hopefully if people want to find out more, they can go to your site, southcoasthypnosis.com. They can contact you there. Uh, just give them a call at 508-646-6069, and they can get a hold of you. They can ask more questions if they have more. Absolutely. The, uh, information is free. And don't forget, too, you don't actually have to just call uh, to learn about going into hypnosis. You can also learn about how to become a hypnotherapist as well. So the classes. And also available for stage shows on the side for your laughing pleasure. Yeah, we'll put one of those. We'll have to put one of those together for our next Spooky South Coast party. Will you make me? Will you make me cluck like a chicken anyway? If you want to cluck like a chicken. No, because I do. Like I don't even need to be hypnotized to do it. Uh, so uh, what we'll do is we'll say to you good night for now, and uh, then I'll have uh, Alan have me run around like and bark like a dog and cluck like a chicken for the rest of the night. Next week we are back with our huge, huge Dover Demon anniversary show. You don't want to miss that. Uh, Chris Balzano, Jeff Belanger, uh, Keith Johnson, Matt Moniz, John Horrigan, and of course the cryptozoologist himself, Lauren Coleman who uh, is actually the father of the term Bridgewater Triangle, which is a whole other thing we'll get into, Alan, sometime in the future. Uh, for now, we want you all to stay spooktacular. We'll talk to you next week. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, 
In many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen.